This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. This podcast is Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard, commonly known as the world's most handsome strategist and professional speaker. I'm also a superhero. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single Shareable episode. And that's it. That's the intro. Short and sweet. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to Shareable. And today, I have absolutely no doubt at all that today is going to be a phenomenal episode. And I'll tell you why. Because I have Mark Pittman here with me. Now, if you don't know who Mark Pittman is, I can tell you one thing. He's the author of the forthcoming book, The Surprising Gift of Doubt. Mark, I am so jazzed to have you on the show. I cannot believe we've known each other this long. Shared a room in Toronto at one point. I know. And yet... This is our first time together on Shareable. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's an honor to be here. And I hope I did a good job not letting my laugh get through the mic while you were saying you had no doubts. I thought about that all day today. I was like, you- oh, <laughs> a good way to open this show. I have no doubt it will be a good episode. I was like, that is so good. That is on point. Yeah. It's I'm not surprising. Like, yeah. Like I'm in like, a, you know, I have a 10 month old now, so I got to work on like my dad joke sort of posture and such. You got it. Yeah, you man. got it. That was yeah. As a as a dad with my youngest just turned sixteen, so I've got sixteen, almost nineteen, and twenty one. You're on. You know, I've had over a decade of practice, almost over two decades, and and you're right on. You're on. That's good. Excellent, man. So what's been up? You're you you've got the book coming out. I've been following along uh, very very closely. As soon as the pre orders went live, I got my copy. Uh, Thank you. You won, uh, and I'm gonna pick up a couple other copies uh, from you at some point once they're like ready to go. I want them signed because I'm gonna be doing book giveaways and making sure people get to read your fabulous work. But did you see how I'm doing the signing with the book plate? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. But I, I understand. I respect you. By the way, for yeah. those that can't see the video, uh, Mark has a very very clever way of doing the signing where uh, it, it uh, protects the integrity of the book. We'll, we'll say that. Uh, <laughs> but it's an, it's an excellent, smart idea. So, so uh, where are you in the process? It's coming out real soon, right? Yeah, it's coming out on March 23rd. Um, so I've uh, been just right now like doing an amazing, I decided I didn't want to just talk about myself, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, because it's going to help people. I'm excited about that. So my wife inspired me to interview people I admire uh, then inspire me every hour on the hour on launch day. So I've been scheduling out all of those. And there are so many that I scheduled the day before as well. So we're going to do Amazon lives at the top of every hour with people that I enjoy. And um, the list is too long. So it may become a new podcast. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> going forward. Yeah. Really? I've cool. got like Charles Johnson, the executive director of NCIS is, is uh, one of the guests, uh, Nadia Boltz Weber, who's an amazing author and just a really cool person um, that I've never met before, but she said, yes, I, Said and seen, uh, Beatrice Chestnut, who's an Enneagram expert, and then a bunch of people, Tony Chapman, uh, Kishana Palmer, uh, Denise Jacobs, and I are working on this. There's a whole bunch of really cool people that are going to be part of this. So cool. Well, uh, you are beloved in your circle, so I'm sure that the list is excellent and long. Uh, so in a sentence, if you could, for the people that are listening, um, what's the book about? What, why did you write it? What's it about? In a sentence, the book is about the, um, it's for leaders that uh, are surprised that they're feeling doubt because everybody else around them looks like they're full of confidence. And so they are, seem to be the only ones experiencing doubt. It lets them know that that is normal part of the process. And there's actually more to the journey. This is, we don't have to live in doubt forever. Uh, it can be a gift 
to bring us over to the other half of the map that we don't even know anything about. I love it. It's confronting the BS posturing as if everybody's got it all figured out. Oh my goodness. So much of it is just that mask, that false front of, I'm so scared because I know all my insecurities, but I can't let that be seen. Yeah. Uh, and it, and legitimately leaders can't, they have to know who it's safe to be vulnerable with. That's totally, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that, but it's the BS stuff that uh, I can't stand. Awesome. Life's too awesome. short for that. And people are worth too much to get inflicted with that kind of damage. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Let's, let's dive into it. I know we're, you're, you're talking a lot on podcasts and um, uh, talking to a lot of different people about the book. I'm sure that what we're going to talk about today will be a little bit different, especially because I have my book about leadership coming out in January and we get to, you know, kind of talk inside baseball a little bit. So let's, let's kind of go back to, I remember um, we were talking about this before you had started really posting a lot of it online and you had said something feels different about this book. So writing this book, you felt like it was really resonating with you. Like you felt like this was kind of like almost like the calling book. I remember you saying something around that. Can you talk a little bit about why that is? Like what inspired this book in the first place? Well, a lot of the, uh, yeah, this, so this is the book that's really the one I've been trying to write. That's my eighth book, but it's the one that I really wanted to write because it is why I got into coaching. This is what I love about helping people with their mission, their vision, getting in alignment, having being unique, but knowing why they're different and unique um, and and being okay with not knowing necessarily what the future holds because they know that they have enough of a track record that they, they'll, they'll be able to do this. Um, why it's, one of the reasons it's ama- amazingly gift, just invigorating to write is that for years I've been asked, what do you do? And so well, I'm an executive coach and they, people say, oh, okay. And then there'd be this pause and this weird, they'd scrunch up their faces and they're like, so what do you do? <laughs> um, and I never, I, even my best friend who I talk to every week about different business ventures and life and all, he didn't know what I did. He could pinpoint a bunch of people in our space, but he couldn't pinpoint me. And so this is the book that gets that. It's helping leaders with a lot of experience and, and success um, that every, so much so that everybody knows that they're going to pull the rabbit out of the hat again. They, but they don't know how it is. This is the gift to show them how to do that. And so that's why it's been so, why I was so excited to write it. Um, the team I got to write it with has been amazing and forced me to be a better author. Um, so it, I'm the page two group that I'm working with. They've taken my voice and made it even more me, which I didn't know was possible. Um, but I'm reading it now for, to get ready for an audiobook, and it's, I'm enjoying it. And then we don't always enjoy the stuff we read. So it's really nice to be reading stuff and being like, wow. Um, some, a group that I was working with, uh, Bookstar PR, they, they, yeah. they pulled out four pages of quotes from the book. And I was thinking, man, I wish this is good. I wish I knew who wrote this. And they had to keep like pinching myself. I wrote it. That's stuff I wrote. That's amazing. <laughs> so uh, there's that joy that I, I the first time I've, I've loved my other eight books. You can't have your favorite child, but I do have my favorite right now. It's this one. For sure. That's really cool. So uh, I I'm, I think I told you, but I'm also working with page two. And partly that's because you raved so much about working with them that it was sort of like I, I had heard, you know, we have a lot of other uh, mutual friends who yeah. have published with page two and I've heard great things and, you know, I've met them before, but it was actually your you're raving about them that kind of pushed me over the edge. And that's when I started working with them. And interestingly enough, my experience was very similar that I got back my first round of edits from them. And I was like, oh my God, this is actually a pretty decent book. Like, right? <laughs> I really like the changes they like. 
I, I actually feel good about this book now. And prior to that, you know how it is. Like you get done with it and you're like, oh, I hate everything I've ever done. And it's, you, you doubt everything of your own thing, right? My um, first I, book, the cover letter I sent with it was an excuse for all the deficiencies in it. Oh my God. I've never, you know, it was all the stuff I saw as, as negatives. I turned around to be positive so that there would be like helping the reader get over buyer remorse and actually get into the content because the, it sold over 20,000 copies. So people have liked the book, yeah. but I know what I didn't like about it. And that's hard because you're selling something that you feel like you've got the emergency break on all the time because you're not, you know, you're trying to hit the gas, but you're not all there. I'm all there for this book. And that's, I'm glad you're having that experience too. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, we, we make good choices in life and uh, my best choice was probably following in your footsteps towards working <laughs> with them. So let's talk a bit about like the, the ideas in the book. So, um, mm. you know, you've been working with leaders for a long time before we get into kind of like the, the meat of the idea behind, you know, working with that doubt and what it signals mm. and what it means and everything. Can you give a little bit of context about your background in coaching executives? What to, to, you know, you have friends that are like, I don't know what you do. So for the, the listener who goes great, an executive coach, and they scrunch their face and they go, what does that mean? Can you kind of define what it is that you do on a regular basis? What is the scope of, of things that you're coaching people on? Oh, that's awesome. So what I get to do is walk side, uh, alongside particularly small business owners and nonprofit executive directors. Uh, those are the two sweet spots I get to walk alongside with uh, and, uh, and emerging leaders to, to a degree too. Um, and be someone that's outside of the hiring and firing um, kind of organizational structure. So it's someone that's safe to verbally just kind of process things through and get an outside opinion uh, on different approaches that they're going to take with their life or with their business um, help them also explore areas that are, they may, they may not understand are actually areas of giftedness for them or blind spots, helping them see blind spots and helping them overcome uh, those. I had one, one leader that I love working with and have worked a few times with who was having poison pen letters sent to the board um, because the employees union labor union had defined success as getting the CEO fired. So they were trying to set, they were trying to get him fired and we were able to work together and take some of the things that he just didn't even realize where he was sabotaging himself, but also, uh, and, and reshape those stories. But also, uh, he was a six foot plus tall guy with a really resonant deep voice. And uh, when he was doing his management by walking around, leaning on the door, I asked him about how he did that. He leaned on the door and he, one of the comments in the employee uh, surveys was he keeps talking down to us. And I was able to reflect back to him. You actually physically are. You're taller than everybody else in your organization. Yeah. What if you sat down at eye level? And I and I do the research so that other people don't. Like I know that that's what doctors do. If they sit down at eye level with patients, even though they're only spending still five minutes, patients feel so much better, more cared for. So I was able to translate that into his context, and we saw employee satisfaction uh, points double by uh, double digits. They grew by double digits in a year uh, just working together. So. I just get to, I get to walk alongside people during some of the greatest joys in their lives and some of the hardest times and uh, be that kind of trusted advisor. And how long who, have you been doing this again? Who wouldn't want to do that since 2003? Okay, I, so I've been this a long time. I've been formally doing this as my, as a business since 2003. And I've had experiences all the way through life where I just kind of found myself in leadership positions. Um, and I grew up in a family that, um, assigned me schoolwork. I had schoolwork, but they assigned me homework for being a pitman. So I had to read positive mental attitude books. I had to read Dale Carnegie and Norman oh, Vincent amazing. Peale. 
and I had to listen to Zig Ziglar and Bob Berg and you know, all these, all these greats. Um, and that's part of the reason I'm in the national speakers association is because I looked around and I used to go to these seminars and rallies and think, dang, I could do that. If people get paid to do that, people get paid to encourage people this way. So, uh, yeah. So I went into life with a very different, I didn't know everybody else didn't live life that way. That's very encouraging because I have an entire curriculum for my daughter. I call it her superhero <laughs> curriculum. There's an entire reading list. There's a bunch of skills that she's going to learn. Like <laughs> 13, like I expect her to be like the CEO of her class. See, and that I'm was expecting in like the way that I mean, like I have like, like you better or else this sort of thing, but more like, I know I, you well I, enough to know that you didn't you know what that, I mean. Yeah. I'm contextualizing for the audience in case there's new listeners, but yeah. like, well, but you know that one, I remember one point where I was um, having a, um, a, disciplinary conversation with my youngest and um she would irritated by having to you know have consequences for actions and all and she's ticked off at me and glowering in the corner and i said you know i you know you're going to run corporations someday right and it was plural and you could see her get a little stronger you know taller really said, yeah i tell people that whenever i'm speaking that you're this you're the one that's going to be running entire organizations oh i said you're a strong woman you're very strong and so she's like and you could just see her just rebuilding herself, which was great. And I said, but our job, my mom and my job until you're 18 and out of the house is to show that we're not the corporation you're going to run. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. So, so parenting is great. I love it. Yeah. All right. So you've been doing this, the, the executive coaching thing. Yeah. I went, I get certified for Franklin company in 2003 Yep. and I've been doing it. And initially the, one of the reasons this is the book I'd love to read Right, is that I started with fundraising. I, I have a nonprofit fundraising background. And I'm really, I found that I'm very good at teaching it and um, mm -hmm. helping other people see that asking for money isn't taking something from people. It's actually giving a gift. So um, I love doing that. And I became fundraising coach in 2003. I uh, started writing, making audio products because that's, yeah, I heard other people doing that and um, writing books and doing seminars and, and all. Um, but the, the, what was lost in my niche was I kept niching down to the fundraiser as opposed to the board members and the CEOs. And what my, what I know that I'm really good at is helping the CEOs and helping it could, because fundraising is a leadership issue, but people were seeing it as a commodity, mm -hmm. um, as a sales job, which it is, there's definitely sales aspects to it. It's a little different. There's nuances, but, um, so this is helping me get back to all the other clients are like, Mark, I want you to coach me, but you only get this nonprofit stuff. Help me, <laughs> help me hire you. Cause I'm not seeing how I fit into this picture. So you're working with these CEOs, you work with these executives and you've been doing it now for uh, almost 20 years uh, yeah. in that realm. Right. Um, and I'm curious a, a couple of things. One, how long has this book been percolating in you? Has it been since the beginning or is it something that's kind of a recent learning? And then where Good I want to go with it after this is I'm going to, talk a little bit about the problem that you saw that you're now solving this, this problem of doubt. I want to dig into that mm. and talk about where it comes from, uh, you know, why people deal with it, why they have trouble overcoming it, maybe even why they have trouble seeing it as, as a potential gift, as you put it. So starting with how long has the book been percolating for you? Uh, I've got about five drafts on my computer. So it's probably been going for about four or five years. Okay. Um, for sure. And what I thought I sent page two was, uh, I thought was the finished one and it wasn't, we had a lot more to go through, but it's been a while. It's been, I would say it's been for 20 years, but I think it's a really concerted effort. The pain point hit me where I, I couldn't express what I did about six years ago. Got it. So doubt. 
Let's talk mm-hmm. about doubt. I have been in, uh, ran my own agency, uh, projected a lot of confidence. Uh, was very good at doing that. Uh, also was riddled with doubt throughout the entire sure. process. Uh, I've been an owner in a larger agency, constantly racked by guilt or by doubt. Um, and then now, you know, uh, running my own thing and also being part of the leadership team of a brand agency, often confronting doubt. Why is that a gift for me? <laughs> it doesn't feel like a gift. It doesn't. Well, well, I think the for most of us when we start out, we're only given half the map of leadership. We start out, we're given a title, and we're um, we have basically the confidence of looking at somebody else and figuring we'll just do what they do, um, and we try to copy them. I call that quadrant one, where you observe. Um, but it's it, you've experienced this. The stuff that works for those people doesn't always work for us. When we say when they say jump, people say how high. When we say jump, people look at us and laugh. So that causes our confidence to go down and forces us into the experiment quadrant or quadrant two, which is where we start trying to figure out fixing what's wrong with us. What is the, uh, is it time management? Is that my issue? So I'll read books like getting things done or, or uh, is it people skills? So I'll get a disc assessment or is it, uh, we lurch from webinar to, to consultant to whatever, to fix, to fix. And the lurching is because like getting things done was my, was the kind of the inexperience for me of everybody says that I was listening to at the time said, this is an amazing book. This is what gave me peace of mind. The system works. The book cover said the system works. I read it and it didn't work for me. Well, I didn't work it. Um, I like writing the list. I like writing the action item down for the next step in the project, but I don't review things well. Like I'm just, that wasn't a part that worked for me. My choice was either to figure out I'm broken I yet suck at something else. Or after you do that enough, you start the gift, the doubt becomes driver enough that it forces you, the gift is it forces you into quadrant three, which is where all the magic happens. It forces you to the other half of the map. It's almost like the map opens up and you've been taking all your external cues and now you get to take the internal cues, the stuff you're told not to, the stuff you're told is woo-woo or emotional or subjective. Um, you have nowhere else to go. People can lurch around in quadrant two and have success. There's no problem. I mean, that's, they can, and it's uncomfortable, but they, they, many CEOs live there, but the gift is when you move into the analyzed quadrant, quadrant three, and you start developing how you're different or how your organization is different and not, not throwing out the external stuff, but incorporating it into how you're unique in, in your itself or in your organizational structure. And that brings your confidence back up to the quadrant four focus leader. So it makes me think of, um, you know, that quote by Pablo Picasso that says, uh, good artists copy, great artists steal. Ooh. It makes me think of that because what you're, and it's interesting because I read Getting Things Done. Love it. Mm. And a concept. I do about 20%, 25% of the methodology and it changed my life. Just right. at 20 to 25%. But the whole thing had the counter effect. When I tried to implement the entire GTD process, I found it arduous over the top too much. It, it uh, like the GTD, the beginnings of GTD allowed me to kind of like deal with my ADD, whereas going through the whole thing made me feel worse and more pressure and more stressed, right? So yeah, I had a similar uh, impact, but I think the point is, is that you, you can look at a thing and take something from it, learn it, incorporate it, and start to make your own system out of it. So that's kind of an yes. interesting point that like you hit that, you hit that uh, wall of like, oh, this isn't working for me anymore. And some people might think it's something wrong with me or it's something wrong with the system. 
but are you saying that that is sort of a signal that maybe you just need to, you've reached the limit and you now need to pivot and adapt and analyze what, how it's working? Yeah. And I think most of the time it's not necessarily pressure that comes out. I, I mean, it's not necessarily the invitational gift that forces people there. It's too much pressure builds up. There's too many failures that you see. Everybody else around you probably sees, oh, you're getting stuff done. You're rocking it. This is great. But you know that you're faking it inside. And it's not the fake it to make it of that it can be positive and help you to grow into who you truly are. It's the fake it to make it that feels like you're a liar. You're fake a cheat. You you're, you're charlatan. What's that? Fake it till you break it. <laughs> yes. So I, it's so what I quadrant two is that I must be broken. This yet another thing I'm failing at quadrant and the quadrant three is where you starting to do what you said, the 20% works for me, the 20 part of the stuff that worked was writing down the next action item was transformative for me. Every time I do a to-do list now, I know what the next action item is because of that book. I don't do the rest of it. The way I like to describe it is qu uh, quadrants one and two is you're wearing suits off the rack. Uh, you're just going into the store and getting suits, which can totally that is, there's nothing wrong with that. I do that most of the time. But when I had my first custom made suit, holy cow, that was different. Game changer. Um, yeah, it was a game changer. I taught, I walked differently. It took less care actually than, than the other suits. Ironically, um, I stood differently on stage. So quadrant three is where you start getting the bespoke suit. You get the one that's really cut for you and you get to move naturally in that. You don't have to try to like, fit into somebody else's suit, you get to be yourself fully. So I'm now probably, I'm putting myself in the mind of one of my listeners here and thinking, good, we're in quadrant three, but it's a quadrant, which means there's quadrant four. Yes. What happens <laughs> in quadrant four, dude? I need to know because three sounds pretty awesome. Custom suit, making it work for you. What's quadrant four? Well, that's where quadrant four, that's a great question, is where it, you've, you've gone from lurching from failure to failure or shortcoming to shortcoming, seeing your shortcomings, you moved into quadrant three and you start rebuilding your own style. You start putting your suit together and you start seeing that it works, that the, you start building your confidence back up because the stuff works, even though you're putting boundaries on yourself or you're as an introvert leader, you're saying, you know, management by walking around isn't my style. That doesn't work for me. I will connect with my employees in other ways. Um, or you're saying management by walking around drains me. So I'm going to build in these buffers of time so that I can recharge. And it's not because I'm a, you know, a failure of a leader because I'm not an extrovert. It's because I'm wired differently. Um, and that kind of, people start respecting you. You start keeping commitments to yourself and your circle of influence grows. And that's where you go to quadrant four, which is the focus leader, which is not nirvana. It's not that you have no pressures or anything, but you have a whole map to look at now. You know which quadrant to go to. Do you need to learn to copy new people? Do you need new systems? In quadrant two, you learn all the different ways you learn. Are you an auditory learner? Do you learn by reading better? Is it kinesthetic? Do you need to be moving around or actually practicing things? Um, and Or is it quadrant three? Do you have to figure, sift through what do I keep and what do I just say, that's not for me? Uh, and there's a piece in knowing, oh, I've, I know where to go and I can know where to direct my, my, the people that report to me. People that report to you could be in different quadrants and you can help them be great in those quadrants because they're all, they all have good aspects to them. But that's where the focus comes from of, all right, we've got this. We don't know where we're going in the future necessarily. You know, lockdown happens maybe. We don't know what the future looks like, but we know these core values to be true because we've done the values work in quadrant three. Or we know that these are the ways that we present to the world because we've done the hardwiring and the stories work. And this is how we're going to, uh, whatever happens, this is how we're going to move forward. 
One of the things that I really love about this that just occurred to me is um, I started thinking about um, the way that they got people to start using toothpaste back in the day. I don't know if you've heard about this or know about this, but like, so originally, so like the toothpaste becomes invented. It has no flavor to it and people are reluctant to brush their teeth. So like people are still having all these problems and they try to figure out a way to get people to use toothpaste. So they decided to put some menthol in it. I'm not exactly sure the exact full story of this, but I'm giving like the, the very, like the Cliff's notes version of this. Okay. And, uh, it, it, it uh, aligns in with the science of habits, how habits are generally formed is that there's like a trigger, there's an action, and then the result that closes the loop, right? And then the trigger causes you to want to take the action, which gives you the result, right? So okay. in this case, uh, the commercials, the things around uh, brushing your teeth was like, you feel the film on your teeth, you brush your teeth, and then the reward you get at the end, the, the, act, you know, the, the outcome is the tingling feeling you get from the menthol. It doesn't actually clean your teeth anymore, Wow. It just gives yeah. you that tingle, right? So it, again, not it's related to the point you're making here because it's making me think what you're talking about when you're talking about these quadrants is, and we'll get into this. I'm assuming there's a process behind this, but the trigger is the doubt. So the trigger is the doubt. Then you have the actions, the process you go through, and then you have the reward at the end of feeling completely differently. You've taken that doubt and you've alleviated it. So to the point of the process- mm. You've got your trigger, which is the doubt. I'm loving, and I'm seeing how your concept is coming together here now. Um, if you want to share, if you can share, yeah, yeah. The process of going through these quadrants is this um, is this something that you see as kind of a step by step? Are there a lot of different paths you can take? This is something that you assess after the fact, after you've gone through it. Like, how does this work for people? Great question. So that's where the crux of the the discomfort and explaining how I coach was some people go through a four step process and it's one, two, three, four, or 10 step or whatever. Um, I like to approach people based on what they need. So I want to find out where are you at? And then I have a whole bunch of tools in my toolkit that I can bring to you. And this book, I allow, I allow people into my toolkit. Um, so there's the three big areas are your hardwiring where you look at either your cognitive and, and your hard, like internal abilities um, or your behavioral assessments like DISC or your motivational ones like Enneagram. Mm -hmm. um, then the other, uh, the next of the three big ones are your stories. I call it identity. And so we have some strategies of how do you just kind of, how does story, how does your story, the way that you operate in the world, how does that show up in you? Um, and most of us don't consider it, but we are storied beings. That's our operating system. And so as we get clearer about that, the self-talk we have or the characters we like in other books and movies, it, shines light on us that um is is incredibly releasing and then the 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 last of the major ones is goal setting which is there's a million books out there but often what we tend to do in goal setting is bring our work to this goal setting and forget that we're human beings so we don't bring our life to it so i offer a way it uh requires you to bring your whole life to it which is it's it's fun to watch when we've been able pre-pandemic when we we're able to do intensives but that there's overlapping areas too of maybe some for some people the entryway into this is just figuring out what are my core values what what do i what do i need to be true and then also looking maybe at my organization and seeing oh maybe that's why there's stress because i have a, a value that is at odds with what is either professed or being manifest in the organization I work in. Um, other people is thinking about their mission statement. What is my, what do I want my life to be when I, when I, when I leave this mortal coil, what do I want people to say about me? Um, so there's different gateways into this, but there is a system for doing it, which is, um, 
the joy of being able to share this with people. Love it, man. Who would you say is the ideal reader of a book like this? I mean, obviously you're talking about leaders, CEOs, people, but do you think that there's a practical uh, application for people who maybe are like middle management or-, or Oh, absolutely. Not, so is this, because I, I tend to think of leadership as being not so much a title, but a practice. It's a thing that you do. Yeah. It's not a thing that you are, right? Yeah. Um, so to that extent, I, I tend to think all of the leadership advice is just as relevant for somebody in an entry-level job as it is for somebody who's running a company. So um, so the the process here, the thinking behind this book and everything, you'd say that that's, that's applicable to a broader set of people than just CEOs. Right. And that's I'm so glad that you, I knew we'd share this in common, but yeah, for me, leadership is influence and influencing people. And we, all of us influence somebody in our, in our lives. Um, and so that I think is, I think we're all there are some people that have innate authority or some other demonstrable leadership quality, but I think we can all be good leaders. Um, and so one of the areas I'm so excited for uh, this kind of people being exposed to this is all the emerging leaders. We have a bunch of leaders in organizational structures that are retiring and most organizational structures do a really bad job with succession planning. So there's a lot of new people that are middle managers, department managers, or senior leaders that don't know how to do vision. They know how to do their job really well and they may have some people skills, but they don't know how to like take the time and realize, oh, I need to be setting you know, the vision for the future and I need to stop giving the answers to my employees. I hired them to do that. That is no longer what defines my job performance. It has been all the way through, but now I have to ask the questions and give them the space to, to figure out what is, what's the right approach to this. Um, or the solopreneur too, um, that, you know, that there's a lot of freedom in knowing I can say no to a client. I can say no to a gig. Um, and, but, and knowing in your mind, this is why I'm doing it. This is, this is how it's in, in integrity with my values and my choice and the way I, way I choose to operate in the world. I love it. And I love that you and I, um, you know, we, we've chatted so much about uh, a variety of other things in the long time that we've known each other, but I, I appreciate how much of your values are baked into the way that you do things because I'm very much the same way. And I also just want to uh, acknowledge you for, you know, when um, I got the idea to do a sensitivity read, a blind spot check on my book because of you doing that. And I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, um, you went through the extra effort to make sure that your book is inclusive of a lot of different perspectives, that it's relatable by people uh, mm. in various walks of life from different backgrounds. Uh, and I just really appreciate that. And I want to thank you for that because I did that for my book and it, it made such a huge difference for me to feel like I'm not just writing a book as a white guy for other white guys. Right. And you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I think that's super important. I really, I just appreciate that you did that. Um, so the, the final question I want to kind of, uh, leave us on is this, is you wrote this book and you did it for a reason. One, a calling, a feeling like you had to do it. There was something, mm -hmm. it was a gift you had to give to people with this. But on the other side of it, there's an outcome, right? If enough people read this, fill in the blank, right? Something happens. When you think about this as being, you know, your eighth book, the one that you've been, you know, it, it's been inside of you this whole time that you're glad to release to the world, it happens. And something comes of it. People read it. There's an impact. It affects people on a personal level. It changes things systemically in some way or another. Paint that picture for me of what that looks like if enough people were to see doubt as a gift and go through the process of being able to turn it into strength. I get filled with joy with that question because what I there's so much life is hard enough um, without the being compounded by the always the shame of feeling like we're falling short and we're not measuring up, 
And I think as more and more people open up to this, and I'm not the only one, this is just, a, I'm one of many voices right now that are sharing this. And, um, but as more and more people get this kind of message of maybe I am the right one for this, and maybe it's the, the, the systems that need to change or the environment that needs to change. I think we're going to be coming into a much more equitable world. And I think we're going to be coming into a world that um, sees us not as widgets in a machine, but as human beings that are, that have a, a purpose here on the planet. And we get in our organizations, we'll get to steward that as well, which I am so thrilled. Um, and again, I'm just one voice in this chorus and this choir, but I'm really excited uh, that I really do. I honestly see this as a possible future for us going forward. Love it, man. I'm glad to be in the choir with you, by the way. I knew uh, you were. I was singing I right there with me. Super <laughs> jazzed about it, man. And, um, you know, again, thank you for, for writing the book. Thank you for coming onto my show to be able to tell people about it. I would strongly encourage everyone to get it. I've known Mark a while. I know they put his heart, entire heart into this book. And I'm sure it's going to be absolutely kick-ass. Uh, Mark, for people that are listening and are curious about where to get the book, uh, curious about getting in touch with you, maybe want to bring you onto their podcast, maybe want to hire mm. you to speak, whatever it might be, maybe hire you to coach. Any way that they want to get in touch with you, now's the part in the show where I turn it over to you and let you just promote the absolute heck out of yourself and tell people where they can get in touch with you. Google Mark Pittman, Mark, M-A-R-C, Pittman, P as in Peter, I-T-M-A-N. Most of the first page, or at least 50% of them are me. Um, and I'm not the actor that's been in the bad movies. Um, but the, if you go to conqueredleadershipgroup.com slash values, you can get a free values in, in inventory where you could start some of this journey or surprising gift of doubt com will take you to the book page, which is also on the Concord Leadership Group site. Solid. And I will put all of that in the show notes. So if uh, whatever podcast app you're listening in, it will likely bring all of the show notes in there. You can probably just swipe over to them and links to everything that Mark just talked about will be there. I'm also going to put a bunch of links where you can connect to Mark on social media. Uh, and that way you can check out his YouTube channel. You can check him out on LinkedIn, wherever else uh, that Mark has supplied me with links. Um, Mark, thank you so much for coming on to shareable. Uh, I think this episode was fantastic. I think it had a lot of great information in it. And I guess if I had to sum it all up in one word, I guess I would say it's shareable. Wait, don't leave. If you've never listened to my fancy outro, do it just once for me, please. Okay. If you enjoy shareable and you find it valuable, there's a few ways that you can support the show. One, you can share it on social media, which I strongly encourage. I mean, it's literally the name of the show shareable. Two, you can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're an Overcast user, as many of my listeners are, make sure to click that star button on the episodes that you like. The third way that you can support the show is by blogging about it or discussing it on your own podcast or even by making a YouTube video where you talk about one of the episodes. And then the final way that you can support the show is by supporting it directly on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Now, before I let you go, I want to tell you about one other thing. You see, Shareable is just one of many projects that I'm working on at any given time. I've got another podcast called Rogue. I do a live streaming show every week called The Heroic Council. I've got a blog where I release a blog post twice a week. And if you're looking to keep up with all sorts of different content that can help you grow and become a superhero in life, I want you to check out jeffgibber.me. That's where I list all of my current projects and projects that are coming up in the future, including my forthcoming book, The Lovable Leader. It would mean a lot to me if you could go and check out some of the other things I've worked on because I put just as much of my heart into those projects as I do into Shareable. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for being a supporter. And I hope to see you here on the next episode of Shareable.